0: Hi, and welcome to The Hingham Cast. I'm your host, Allie Donnelly. For the last 20 years, I've been on your TV, a reporter for NECN and NBC Boston. But now I'm telling stories in this new way. The Hingham Cast is a hyper-local podcast looking at the pandemic, politics, and everything in between through the lens of Boston South Shore. But the issues we're facing are affecting people across the country. Like luring our kids back from the clutches of excessive screen time.
1: This is one of my friends. I don't know what she's doing.
0: Eliza Farina scrolls through social media. Oh, these are people dancing. Before the pandemic, the seventh grader at Hingham Middle School says she didn't have a phone and was on the family iPad a lot less. How much would you say you're on it a day?
1: Well, I have screen time, and it tracks, like, my screen time. And I think it's, like, eight hours, which... Not the best, but it's definitely gotten lower since school started. Yeah. In the summer, I think it was like, it was terrible. It was like 16 hours or yeah. something. But now it's like-
0: Your mom is like rapidly <laughs> revoking her consent for this interview. <laughs> mom Cindy says they don't let her use it during school, but gave Eliza a phone earlier
2: than they had planned after COVID shut everything down. In my mind, I mean, it's sort of twofold. Number one, for me, it was. Uh, I don't, I really can't have her running around talking to me when I'm working from home all day. <laughs> yeah. um, and I typically have eight to 10 meetings per day. So, uh, you know, when she gets done with school at, at uh, two thirty or whenever she gets done, I'm not necessarily free to hang out with her. So yeah. I also needed her to have something else to do. And honestly, the phone, you know, gave her a lot of different options. It, she could play games. She could FaceTime with people, uh, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Well, I get to socialize in like different ways. But then also it's, like, also not good for my health, and I know that. So, like, sometimes I get off of it and, like, draw or play with toys or something. But usually I'm on my screen, and I know, like, my brain isn't, like, getting benefits from that.
0: Describe that for me, when you feel like you've had too much or you've been on there too much.
1: When my mom says, okay, it's time to put your screen away, and I scream at her. Because mm. I get to the point where, like, I want to be on it so much that, like, when it gets taken away, like, I get mad.
0: Yeah. All right. So, Cindy, Boston Children's just put out a new study on pandemic screen use. More than a third of parents said screen time was causing more severe arguments than before COVID, usually over how much time the kids were on. What does that look like in your house?
2: I think that's fair. I mean, I, I would say the the arguments over the screen time have definitely gone up. but. You have to consider also that we're all shoved in this house all day long, just mm-hmm. the three of us, mm-hmm. and I think that might be part of why it's so dramatic.
0: Yeah. Describe what it's like when you want to shut down screen time.
2: Yeah, this, this really sort of when she's taking a break after school, and we let her, you know, get on check her Snapchats or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. those people, whatever those kids do. Um, <laughs> and then the problem is really with screen time is it just Breeds on itself. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you check one message and there's another message behind it. There's another TikTok behind that. It just gets longer and longer. There's never any end. Mm. You know, I end up screaming and grabbing the phone away, you know, (laughs) gesticulate wildly and then hide it somewhere where I'm not sure I'll find it again.
0: Well, there is some good news. As you'll hear with our next guest, screen time can be good for kids too. In the Children's Hospital study, 45% of parents said it was helpful for their children's mental health. And that's mostly because of connecting to friends elize what's that been like for you it makes us
1: closer in some way that like when we see each other again it's like we're gonna be it's like we're like
2: strangers yeah it's also opened up who she's friends with mm-hmm. whereas you know when you're um if you're having playdates you only really over invite people over that you know and this way she's had an mm-hmm. opportunity to, to sort of get to know a lot of other people that she wouldn't invite over and
0: mm-hmm. um you know Eliza, how tough or do you think that transition back to school full time is going to be tricky? Like I'll definitely when
1: I come home, I'll like want to get right on my phone and like play all games and like. Oh, I
2: think she's putting in a request now. I can hear it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're going to leave Cindy and Eliza there to take a quick break. If you like the podcast, subscribe and download wherever you listen. And if you want a reminder, when episodes drop, log on to thehinghamcast.com and sign up for our once a week emails. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. I want to bring in my next guest, Megan Owens. She's a psychologist, assistant teaching professor at Penn State, and the author of a new book called Spoiled Right, Delaying Screens and Giving Children What They Really Need. Megan Owens, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Allie. Thank you. Um, You wrote an article recently for the news site, The Conversation, and it really caught my eye. Here's the headline. It says, kids spending too much time staring at screens, focus on positive goals to get them moving and reading and talking. So I want to lay out (laughs) what's been happening at my house and get your free analysis. So when the pandemic hit, I was awesome mom. I gave my kids all sorts of cool activities to do, And then COVID got worse, and home time dragged on. So everywhere I turned, experts were saying, don't worry about screen time. Do what you have to do to survive. And I did, big time. So now I feel like I have little tech junkies that I need to reprogram. I mean, we're fighting. There's crying, cajoling. It's bad. And now one's already back in school, and the other will soon be. And I'm like, oh, no.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, many kids have a little bit of a pandemic induced screen habit that needs, you know, maybe a little work. And so trying to cut screen time, limiting screen time, avoiding screen time altogether. These are all what we call negative goals, things that we're trying to get away from. Mm -hmm. Negative goals are associated with negative affect, meaning bad mood, reduced goal persistence, and they rely on our limited willpower. Mm. And so the opposite is positive goals. Those are things we want to move towards. And research shows that if we have positive goals, we may be more successful with them. So one of my favorite studies is when they took parents with one obese adult in the family, and they either gave them an avoidance goal and a diet plan, or they gave them a positive goal, Mm. increased fruit and vegetable intake. And they didn't talk to them about high fat, Mm. high sugar foods at all. Mm -hmm. And a year later, the families that had lost more weight were those with a positive goal. Mm. And so I think we can choose to fight the screen time and have all these battles and all these negotiations, Yeah. yeah. or we can choose to try to fill our kids' day with the things that are really good for them and watch the screen time incidentally reduce.
0: Well, so let me ask you one thing. So by giving in and, you know, my kids are just like, Robux, 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 they really are. It's like crazy. Have I done
3: lasting damage? I want to assure parents that it's very unlikely you've done any kind of lasting damage. (laughs) So research shows that even with a one-week break from screens, that children's social skills improve, that their sleep improves. And so it's okay to say, hey, you know what? The screen time was a little higher than we typically had during the pandemic. But now things are looking hopeful and it's getting warmer outside and you're going back to school. And so we're going to reel in the screen time a little bit, but we're going to do it by filling our day with all those things that you weren't able to do during the pandemic and you weren't able to do during the winter. We're going to try and do more of the things we love.
0: Okay. So um, I want to go through those things, but I also want to prime it with my constant inner negative Nellie. <laughs> I want to put it out there right now because my friends and I, we're all in the same boat. We're trying to get stuff done. And so when someone says, you know, go, you know, go read to your child for half an hour, I'm like, what? Read to my child? <laughs> no, that's what Roblox is for. I mean, I'm like really in a bad place. And I don't even have a job. I'm like just podcasting. So, you know, I want to preface whatever you say with knowledge that I am doubting you.
3: okay good good because I think that most people are so that's that's okay so one I would say that that doubt comes from a place of the screen time creating a problem that this only the screen time can solve. And so when our kid is bored, like they were a lot during the pandemic, and they pick up something like Roblox or YouTube Kids or whatever it might be, then they're less likely to be able to deal with that boredom and figure things out later on. And they really fight and need the screen and they bug us if they don't have it. And so it creates this kind of like compulsion loop of needing the screen to solve their negative emotion, boredom or frustration, um, and the parent needing the screen to get anything done.
0: Yeah.
3: Now, when we limit screens, and we encourage children into these five activities that I'll talk about in a second, they start to be able to tolerate those negative emotions and learn to direct their day a little bit better. Mm. And so after a period of time of doing this, you'll find that maybe they bother you more in the beginning for the first couple days. And then they sort of learn, hey, that limit is there. And, you know, I have found some things that I'm interested in and they start to be better at entertaining themselves. Okay.
0: So let's talk middle school because I think, you know, elementary is one thing and, you know, my youngest is more pliable to my <laughs> suggestions about what to do. Like read for 15 minutes. Okay. My middle schooler is a bit more, mm, pushes back a bit more. You know, she wants to be on Roblox. She wants to be on these games. Um and isn't great at self-directing. And I pity the poor teachers that are going to have these kids in their, their classrooms and be like, what? I can't constantly be texting with my friend during school? What is this?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, I think shout out to all the middle schoolers out there because they're a little bit right. So research does show this sort of Um, U-shaped curve with screen time and middle schoolers and and teenagers. And that if they have no screen time whatsoever, it's associated with, you know, poor mental health Mm. because of what she's talking about, that she needs some, she needs to connect with her friends. If they have a moderate amount, Mm. best mental health. And then if they have too much, that's the other side of the U. And again, we see a negative association with mental health. And what is that? Like, how do you define too much? So most research studies will say for teens, Rec recreational-based screen time, um, you know, somewhere around two hours. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. now I'm really hesitant to answer that question for a really good reason, because it really depends on what they're doing on the screen, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if she's genuinely, you know, texting yep. with one friend, and she's doing that, and they're having an in-depth conversation, and you're like, oh, the one hour is up, let me take the phone, you know, that's really different than if mm-hmm. she's mindlessly scrolling, watching YouTube videos, those sorts of things.
0: Yeah, I tend not to like almost count sometimes if she's facetiming or baking with her buddies or any of that over technology because I just it doesn't to me that doesn't count. It's when it's when we almost lose time that I get yeah. worried, you know, that I get sucked into a project and then I come back 45 minutes later and or whatever, I come back 2 hours later or whatever it is. Yeah. We're here. So how do we start to move our kids away from screens?
3: So the content is developmentally inappropriate. If it's violent, if it's too fast paced, Mm -hmm. constant screen shifting, if it's making a teen feel bad about their body image, you know, then that's the problem. Mm -hmm. Some of the negative associations are due to displacement, which means as your kid spends more time on a screen. They're spending less time doing those things that we have known for decades are really critically important for emotional and physical health for kids. Mm -hmm. And so it's not so much the screen time that is causing these negative associations, but it's the loss of these other activities. The positive thing about it is it gives us one of those positive goals. It gives us something to move towards. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: So what I talk about in the book is all the research for these five activities it's the SPOIL system is the acronym that we use. S stands for social, P stands for play, O stands for outdoor, I stands for independent work like chores, and L stands for literacy. And here's the thing, all five of these activities, there are just so many positive outcomes and most of them are the opposite of the negative outcomes we see associated with screens. Like what? Well, for example, children are able to pay attention better after they've been outside. Mm. It's associated with improved sleep. It's associated with increased physical activity. So it's literally the opposite. And so you could kind of say like, I'm gonna ignore the research on screens or the experts on screens. And I'm just gonna make sure that my kid has these five things in their day because they are gonna Mm. counteract some of those negative effects of screen time.
0: Let's take a quick break here to let you know that if you want to put faces with these voices, check out our page on the Hingham Anchor. It's hangamanker.com You can also learn more about Megan Owen's SPOIL system and how to find her book on reducing the impact of screen time on our kids. As a reminder, that SPOIL acronym pushes us to focus on connecting kids with social activities, play, outdoor time, independent work like chores, and literacy. Okay. So I want to go back to your spoil. Social activities, play outdoors, independent work, literacy. I mean, I think middle schoolers is who I worry about the most, probably middle and high school, right? Because they're they're facing the most kind of social issues and other pressures that elementary school kids probably aren't quite facing now, right? You know, if I tell my nine year old to go outside and play, she'll go outside and play. If I tell my 12 year old to go outside and play, she's like, Oh, whatever. I mean, it's like even getting her to throw the ball for the dog is like this monumental battle. So what's your advice
3: there? (laughs) I would say two things. One, let's loop them into the conversation. So I think with younger kids, it is easier for older kids, though, they hopefully have some interests, right? Mm. So what are the things that you like to do that you haven't been able to do? Mm. What sort of things make you feel good and decide on it as a family and then create some family goals around it. And then they still may, you know, hem and haw when it's time to go because that is their job. That's what <laughs> middle schoolers and teenagers do. And it's our job as the parents to say, no, I know you're really going to feel better after we do this. So let's go on this walk together or let's mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, maybe even do the extra leg work. If a, if a middle schooler tells you. I miss being with my friends. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Can you, you know, say, all right, we'll, we'll have a fire pit on Friday Mm -hmm, night. mm -hmm. Distant to mask. I mean, that's, what's great about middle schoolers and teens is they're willing to sit and talk. Yeah, that's a great idea.
0: That's great. Okay. So you talk about social activity. So there you're talking about looping in friends and pushing them to do some things outdoors and play Um, independent work,
3: independent work. (laughs) Do tell. (laughs) So, you're telling me that your middle schooler isn't going to say, What I'd like to do more of, mom, is chores. <laughs> <yours." laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. N- neither do the little kids really. Although my two still do fight over the toilet brush. So I consider myself quite <laughs> they're still They're still little. They still think some things are fun, especially if they're a little bit gross. But okay. So research shows that the effort with chores is worth it. That, you know, there's the Harvard Grant study, which followed young adults through adulthood. And some of the things that they found were most critically important in success was the relationship with parents and then the involvement in family chores. So I like to think of it as we're a team. We all live here together. We all enjoy the benefits of this together, and we're all going to work together on it. For middle schoolers and teenagers, I like the idea of giving them some responsibilities in the home that they can be totally responsible for, meaning we're not going to micromanage it. We're not going to come along and inspect it. Mm. Um, But maybe there's some natural consequences to it, like if they don't mow the lawn every week, then the lawnmower is going to continually choke. Mm. So something that they can have some ownership over and that they can feel good about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: My kids are never going to mow the lawn. I can, I can tell you that right now. But
3: <laughs> something else. You play to their strengths. There's some kind of strength, whether they're an organizer or they're a cooker or, you know, whatever it is, that that is a strength for them that they can kind of take on. That's a great idea to look at chores at what
0: their strengths are. That's really interesting. I love in the conversation article, you talked about you know, positives versus avoidance goals. And with the aim of, quote, edging out screen time, I really like the way that sounds because it sounds doable, right? I'm just slowly pushing it out. Yeah. Um, you also talk a lot about relying less
3: on self-control.
0: What do you mean there?
3: So when we're trying not to do something, like I'm trying not to check social media or TikTok as a team, mm-hmm. I'm using willpower and research shows that willpower is depleted after multiple uses. Mm-hmm. And then later, you, know, you needed something else <laughs> to use that willpower, and you couldn't, you couldn't muster it up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in contrast, if we're moving towards things that are positive and meaningful for us, it's less about willpower. Mm-hmm. Having a bonfire with the teenagers, or going for a hike, or having her t- you know, take over dinner, those are things you're moving towards that are positive. And so we tend to not get as exhausted when we have those type of goals.
0: Okay, okay. Um, And literacy.
3: Oh, literacy, yeah. So, I mean, just about every research study shows these immense benefits of book reading, you know, perspective taking and empathy building and academic achievement, of course, and vocabulary building. Um, And so the more time children spend reading, the less recreational screen time they have. Mm
0: -hmm. Tell me about, so the battling. Right. I feel like I've become a prison guard in terms of, you know, how long are you on? You're on 20 minutes to 20. You're over time. You're over time. You did this. You did that. You should, You really need to do your homework. I feel like I have become a shrew. I feel like a lot of moms are telling me like they're they're so upset or they, you know, they get so infuriated or frustrated and then it just becomes a screaming match. And then it's, you know, sometimes it's like, fine, take it. You know, it's just not it doesn't feel good where we are right now. How much should we be micromanaging that screen time?
3: It doesn't feel good because the technology companies have made sure that it won't. So your children's apps, programs, games are persuasively designed to try to increase the amount of time your kid spends on the device. Um, And so they're really trapped and they're Mm -hmm. freaking out because they're showing you how trapped they feel. Mm -hmm. Um, For a teen- you know, they're gonna push a little bit more, but if the boundaries are clear every time. And that's been the problem with the pandemic, is the boundaries really haven't been clear because we weren't uh-huh. able in a lot uh-huh. of cases. And so as we reel things back in, it's gonna to be tough for the kids. As long as we're consistent, that toughness will ease over time.
0: Yeah, okay. All right. Ah, oh, is there anything I didn't ask you that you think it's important for parents to know right now?
3: Uh, I would just say that I promise you, as you limit it that it gets easier over time. Okay, you say that now, but I'm going to be calling you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You
0: promise. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Megan Owens, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much.
3: Hey, thanks for having me, Allie. It was fun. I want to thank my podcast partner, the ridiculously
0: talented producer editor, Kristen Keefe, our website was designed by Donna Mavromatis and her great team at Mavro Creative. And we're psyched to bring yet another strong woman into the fold, our intern, Ellie Formasano from Boston College. I'm Allie Downley. Talk to you soon.